wow, that sounds like we're on a Disney ride together or something. I was like, anyway, I'm glad you're here today. My name is John. I'm lead pastor here at Centerpoint. And if it's your first time with us, I'm so glad you came. And we are about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. And we'd love to connect with you. So after the service, stop by the Connection Center. We'd love to get to know you and give you a gift and say thanks for coming. Also, uh, if you are a center pointer and you want to represent, then take a yard sign. There's all these yard signs out front. That's not to remind us here of what we're doing. It's something that you can take and, and put it in your yard. It's a, a simple way of just reflecting in your neighborhood like, hey, I've got a church family. And uh, maybe you'll be surprised to start seeing some of those signs popping up around your neighborhood and you go, oh, there's some other center point people around here. Maybe I ought to say hey one day. And uh, let your friends know, your neighbors know. Maybe they don't have a, a church plan yet for Christmas. And maybe this would be a great starting point for them. So I wanted to share a couple of family updates with you before I get into the message. The first is I know that a bunch of us are wondering, all right, what happened with All for the One? How did we do? And I'm wondering that too. But we are, uh, we're not going to announce that till next week. We are still kind of tabulating all the commitments. And also, I wanted you to know that if you uh, weren't here last week and you missed the opportunity to bring your commitment, do that now. Do it this week. Bring your commitment or go online to allfortheone.tv and click the link and there's an online commitment card. That way, 100% of us can come and, and be of one heart and mind moving forward towards, uh, towards All for the One, the vision of that. I also wanted to share a second update, and it's this. Uh, a number of you have asked, hey, what's going on with worship in our church? And I know that a bunch of us are wondering about that, and I am pleased to share with you that I have asked Donovan Smith to step up as our worship director. I'm so excited about Donovan stepping into this role. And I've asked Massimo to step up as our point worship leader. And between the two of these guys, I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in worship at Center Point. I know that uh, Donovan is maybe somebody, is somewhat of a new face for many of you, but Donovan, his wife Cassandra, their three kids, they've been part of our church for the last year and a half, uh, but in, in a background kind of a way. Donovan has been providing the musical excellence behind the scenes that maybe we've just kind of come to take for granted, but Donovan is also a strategic leader and shepherd, and in addition to the musical excellence, brings a spiritual stability that is going to allow our whole worship ministry to thrive all the more. I'm so excited about what God will do throughout. Massimo, man, he's been you know, a volunteer in our worship ministry for years, and then he was our student ministry worship director for years, and I'm just excited to see how God is going to uh, allow these guys to rise up and lead us into great and amazing new places in worship. And I personally look forward to taking these guys on a journey to becoming pastors in our church. I'm just excited that God's on the move in worship at Centerpoint. So, Amen. Shout amen. Come on. That's a good, good thing. Good thing. All right. So on, on Friday morning, you know, my, my wife suggested that we ought to go out and do some Black Friday shopping. And I usually am like against it. I'm, I'm a grouch and a grinch about the whole Black Friday thing. But that morning, I don't know, she spoke my love language because she said Lowe's. You know, I was like, oh, they do that? Okay. You know, I'm game. I always need stuff at Lowe's. So anyway, we got up, you know, dark 30 or whatever, and, and we were heading out of the, the, the garage early in the morning, and I looked at her, and she looked at me, and we both realized that we were both wearing black sneakers, black exercise pants, black t-shirts, black jackets. Like, we were straight up Black Friday ninjas out there on Friday morning, right? But so we went to Lowe's, and we were walking in the door at Lowe's, and there, there was Santa Claus, like Santa Claus, right there at Lowe's, you know? I mean, picture him, right? Big red suit, big guy, big white beard, like you've got him in your mind, right? And, and then Santa spoke to us. 
He talked to us. He looked at me and he said, hey, dude, how's it going, man? I was like, wait, 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 wait. come on, you're Santa Claus. You don't, hey, dude me. You got one line, it's got three words. It's called Merry Christmas, ho, ho, ho. And the third one, it isn't even a word. Like, get it right. Anyway, it was, it was Christmas. You know, you know that when Santa Claus is greeting you at the door at Lowe's, it's Christmas time in the Murtown. Like, it really is. So I figured it's time to start the Christmas season off with this series, Christmas Reel to Reel. And we asked the question online. We said, you know, what's your favorite Christmas movie on, you know, Facebook? Instagram, it was shocking. There was more engagement, more, you responded more to that post than to anything else we've ever put out on the interwebs, ever, right? I mean, everybody had an opinion about the favorite Christmas movie. Like, uh, a a bunch of people said favorite Christmas movie was Christmas with the Cranks. Anybody, a few? All right, a couple Crank lovers. All right, and many people said, the Grinch, you stole Christmas, come on. You gotta love Grinch. And others mentioned the Miracle on 34th Street, It's a Wonderful Life. Some said the Polar Express. Somebody said Die Hard. I didn't know that was a Christmas movie, but oh. <laughs> someone else mentioned Home Alone. And, uh, but far and away, the favorite Christmas movie of the most number of people at Center Point Church was Elf. Come on, give it up for Elf. You know you love it. Elf. So good. In case you've been on some other planet other than Earth since 2003, the story of Elf is about this little orphan baby who crawls into Santa's gift bag uh, and uh, by accident gets carried back to the North Pole and gets raised by Santa and the elves in the North Pole. But after a while, he grows up, he discovers that he's not actually an elf, and so he goes on this quest to discover his real identity. And he ends up traveling down to New York City, and it's New York, and it's December, and he's from the North Pole. All of a sudden, things start to look a little familiar for this guy. What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? <laughs> Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. <laughs> Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. (laughs) He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah! Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? Oh, hi. Do you get that excited when you see your friend who's also a believer somewhere? You're like, oh. (laughs) I love this scene because there's like this childlike simplicity in Elf, right? That when when he hears about Santa Claus, he he can't even contain himself. He's just like, I know him, right? And, And I love the simplicity of it. But what it really points me towards is that maybe sometimes I need to allow myself to have the freedom to have a little bit of that same childlike simplicity in willingness to express my adoration for my God. 
You know, it's no longer about Santa Claus and some silly overgrown elf. It's about a, a silly movie that's reminding me that I have an opportunity at any moment to be able to make it known that I know him. I know the living God. I know the God who created the heavens and the earth. I know the God who sent his one and only son, Jesus, to rescue me from my sin. I know the God who has a plan and a purpose for my life. I know the God who orders everything and rules over everything. Just shout it. I know him. Come on, this is our privilege. We know him, and we get to express it. One of the things that I hope that we could all grow in is learning to give an expression of the affection that we have for the God of our salvation. And that is my message today in a nutshell. It's this. It's give expression of, ex of affection for the God of your salvation. Give an expression of affection for the God of your salvation. Say it with me one time nice and loud. Go. Give expression of your affection to the God of your salvation. This is what I want to share with you today. It's a message on, on, on worship, really, at the core but let me just step back a second. On one hand, we could try to work it up, right? Give that expression because somebody's telling us we have to. But we could also just back up a little bit and look and, and recognize that if we just understood the gospel, we probably would find ourselves naturally wanting to give an expression of our affection. And so I just want to share the gospel for a second for my own soul's sake and maybe for yours as well. I mean, here's the situation. There's, there's, there's a gospel, which means good news. Everyone say, good news. But before there's good news, there's also some bad news. And the bad news is this. The bad news is that apart from Jesus Christ and his mercy to you, you are stuck with your own sin and shame and guilt and nothing but your own best efforts to try to pay for it and work it off. And it doesn't work. And, and as good as you might be and as much as you might try to do more good things and be nicer and have better morals or whatever, you're still like a person who's putting a little 20-foot extension ladder across the Grand Canyon and it never reaches, it never works. And God looks at that bad news situation where you and I, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, all we get is death, hell, and the grave. And said, I'm not leaving her that way. I'm not leaving him that way. I've got a plan. And he sends his one and only son, Jesus. And Jesus lays down his life across that great chasm of death, hell, and the grave so that we could walk across into the goodness and glory of God and receive the gift of salvation. I'm grateful for the gift of salvation. Come on, somebody give God praise for four seconds and say, I'm grateful for salvation. I'm grateful for salvation. I'm grateful that my way to the receiving of the gift of salvation wasn't up to me. It didn't depend on how much I performed spiritually. It depended on Jesus and how perfect he is. And I'm grateful that for every one of us that would ever turn to Jesus and trust in him, we are made new. We are given this gift of salvation. And the most natural thing in the world then is to give expression of my affection to the God of my salvation, right? When I know how good it is that I'm saved and how much he's done to accomplish it for me, why would I hold back? Why wouldn't I stand and shout, I know him, and I'm grateful for what he's done for me. This is the message that I wanted to bring today, that you and I are called to do this, but I wanna spend some time in, in Hebrews. 
to drill down onto this truth a little bit more. So go to Hebrews chapter 12. You can open up your device and turn there to Hebrews chapter 12 or flip through the pages to Hebrews 12. It's towards the back. Anyway, Hebrews 12, verse 28. This is what we read. It says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, everyone say unshakable. A kingdom that's unshakable. Unshakable. You know, a lot of us have a bunch of things going on in our lives that are anything but unshakable, right? I mean, truly, a bunch of the stuff that goes on in our lives is completely shaky. And, and, and we have so much trust in things that are utterly shakable. I mean, like, the job, it's just the perfect job. It's so great. Everything's great about that job until, boom, all of a sudden we don't have it anymore. Our, our health, I, I'm strong and healthy. Everything's good with my body. And boom, then it gets this report from the doctor. And what? I've got these friendships and, and we're so tight. We have such a closeness together until, boom, that happens. And it all shakes apart. We've got so many things that we are trying to put our trust in and our weight on that are utterly shaky. All the while, God is reframing and saying, I've invited you into an experience of something that is utterly and completely unshakable, and it's the kingdom of God. For any one of us who have put our trust in Jesus, we receive the gift of salvation. And when we receive the gift of salvation, we receive an invitation to step into the reality of the kingdom of God where God is ruling and reigning over our lives. And the kingdom of God is unshakable. We rest on the foundation of the grace of God and it can't be taken out from under our feet. We are covered and crowned with the mercy of God and it can't be pushed off of our lives. We are rescued by his love and his love carries us at every turn and it's unshakable. So we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. And since we are, the scripture says, you ought to be thankful. Be thankful. Let us be thankful. If we're going to give an expression of our affection to the God of our salvation, this is where it begins. It begins with a, a right estimation of what's really going on in our lives and a right valuation of it. Because when we're thankful, when we're expressing thanks, we are rightly making an evaluation of what's going on in our lives. And we're moving our focus from the things that are hard onto the things that are glorious that God is doing. And this is what we're made for, to give an expression of our, our affection that starts with gratitude. When we are thankful, we are determining to magnify God rather than magnify the things that are challenging and difficult. We, we have a tendency, at least I know I do, I have a tendency to sometimes get stuck with a little song in my head, and it's the everything is awful song. Anyone ever have that one? Like, this isn't going to work out well. That's going to be terrible. This is going to fall apart. That's probably going to go wrong. This is going to be bad. And that song never does me any good. All it does is it creates a sense of cynicism inside of me. It births hopelessness inside of me. It causes me to lose sight of who God really is. And, and it causes me to, to, to be a, an annoyance, an irritation to the people around me. And it disses God. But if I can learn to be thankful, and it's a choice. It is a choice that you make. If I can choose to be thankful, I'm determining to shift my perspective off of the things that I don't think are good and aren't going to go right onto the things that are good that God has done. And when I give voice to that, 
God is honored and I'm changed. You change your own inner atmosphere through your gratitude because as you express gratitude, you are cultivating an increased awareness of God's faithfulness. You are focusing on what good he has done instead of what you feel disappointed by. You are giving a sense of acknowledgement to the power of God's might evident in your life and other people are compelled by it and God is honored by it. So be thankful. Somebody shout, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Sometimes you got to just do it. Sometimes you got to just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for rescuing me. Thank you, God, for carrying me through all this. God, thank you for protecting me. God, thank you for caring for me. God, thank you for speaking to me. Come on, somebody say, thank you, God. Like you mean it, shout it, thank you, God. When you let your gratitude bubble up and percolate up, It moves stuff out of the way that's keeping you from the joy of the Lord. And so we express our gratitude because we're receiving a kingdom that's unshakable. Since we are receiving, actually read this verse out loud with me. Ready, go. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. You know, we are called by God to worship him. And our worship includes using our voice to sing. It's something that that brings delight to the human being. I mean, it's scientifically proven, right? I talked about it a few weeks ago, but when you sing, by God's design, you are recalibrating your vagus nerve, which is where all of your emotional health lives inside of your body. And God said, that's right, so sing. (laughs) Sing to me. (laughs) And I'm not the only one, apparently, who knows that there's great value in singing out loud for all to hear. Check it out. I'm just trying to get through the holiday. Get through? Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world. Please stop talking to me. Uh Uh-oh. Sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. No way. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. Oh, it's easy. It's just like talking, except louder and longer, and you move your voice up and down. I can sing, but I just choose not to sing, especially in front of other people. Well, if you sing alone, you can sing in front of other people. There's no difference. Actually, there's a big difference. No, no, there isn't. Wait. (laughs) I'm singing. I'm in a store, and I'm singing. I'm in a store, and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. <laughs> no, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. <laughs> see? Oh, it's just so fun. You're going to have to go rent Elf now and see the rest of it. Anyway, you know, it's so silly, right? A silly little scene in a movie. But it reminds me that there is something glorious, really, and, and part of God's design for us to use our voice and to sing out our praise. Did you know that in the scriptures, 121 times, it's expressed as a mandate, as in a command, where it says, sing to the Lord. And it, there's no asterisks where it says, eh, except for you, because I know you don't like to sing. You know, It's actually something that God expects from us. 
that we would give him the gift of our song. And I know some of us are like, what's her name in the movie that's saying, I don't, but I don't, I don't sing, especially not in front of other people. But, but, but yet God invites you to do this, to open up your voice and sing to him. And if it's mentioned 121 times, actually 209 times if you read in the ESV, I mean, it's something that God is passionate about, you and I stepping into an experience of. Why would I let my feelings about how I don't think I'm a singer be in front of God's expectation of me? And for some of of us that say, no, listen, for real though, I can't sing. God knew that. That's why in Psalm 100 verse 1, he said, go ahead and make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, with your singing. Because God knew that some of you would be joyful noisemakers. Any joyful noisemakers in the house? You could go ahead and admit it with pride. But don't let that hold you back from letting your song be heard in heaven. Give an expression of your affection to the God of your salvation. He's worthy of your song even if it's out of tune. He's worthy of song even if it wasn't going to impress anybody. The command in scripture didn't say sing unto the Lord like a Grammy winner. It didn't say that. It just said sing to the Lord. And it's time for some of us to be those who would, who would give an expression of our worship. I mean, take it back to Hebrews 12, 28 again. It says, since we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful. Now read the next of this verse out loud with me. Go. And please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. You know, this is the reality. It pleases God. God who gave his one and only son for you. God who has a purpose and destiny for your life. God who has the hope of paradise forever. God who gives you the power of his Holy Spirit here and now. This pleases him. When you Step out of your comfort zone, and for some of us it is uncomfortable, but to begin to sing out, it pleases him. Don't you want to please him? Him who's done so much for your pleasure and benefit, this one thing that you can do that just so pleases him, do it. Let us worship God with holy fear and awe, holy fear. D don't skip this. We are invited to know God as friend. I mean, Jesus said, I call you friend. We're invited to know God as Father, and even to cry out to him, Abba, Father, which is like, Daddy. And these are good. These are part of the revelation of who God is. But we can never lose sight of the fact that even while we know him as friend and we know him as Abba, Father, he's also God Almighty, ruler of the heavens and the earth and creator of absolutely everything, and the one before whom we ought to sometimes tremble. There ought to be something in us that says, yeah, fear, not being afraid of God, but trembling with awe and reverence for who he is. We are right to cultivate an intimacy with God, but we've got to guard against our intimacy with God becoming a familiarity toward God, which diminishes our value for the preeminence and majesty of who he really is. We need to make sure that we keep in mind that we understand that he's, he's a God who is full of wrath for every wickedness and sin. He's a God of justice whose decree is that his justice will cover the whole earth. He's the God in whom everything holds together, everything, even down to the tiniest little molecule and atom and it's spinning, it all holds together. And God, when this really gets into your mind, there will be some holy fear. There should be. He's not your buddy. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth, and he's almighty God. And sometimes it is right to bow before him. He is worthy of it. He's worthy of it. And it says, and our God is a devouring fire. Another translation, our God is a consuming fire. There are things that, that God is not okay with. 
There are things that God looks at and goes, oh. And, and because he is a devouring fire, he will devour those things. Every ounce of sin and shame and guilt and every curse and spell and every demonic work and evil assignment of the devil, he is a consuming fire, a devouring fire, and he'll devour it. And just even being aware of that should also leave us a little shaken sometimes. Shaken. You know what? Our God is a devouring fire. Recently, we put in a fire pit in our backyard, a, a, a gas fire pit. And so they put in a gas line that came around from the side of the house and then across. And the guy who put it together said, all right, so, you know, today you can light this thing. But here's what you're going to have to do. You know, the pipes are full of air because of, you know, how we do the, how we build it. And you're going to have to turn the valve and let all of the air come out first. And then the gas will come and then you can light this thing. So I was like, okay, great, you know, so looking forward to it, and I walk out there with Toby when it was finally nighttime, I wanted to see it in the dark, and said, okay, son, we're going to open the valve, and we're going to let all the air come out, because, you know, the guy told me we got to let all the air come out, and then the gas will come, then we'll light this thing. we got to wait 15 seconds, though, so we waited 15 seconds, and, and then right as I was reaching my lighter to light the fire, my son started to say something, but I didn't hear, because as soon as I pulled the trigger on that lighter, do you know what happened? An explosion like a NASA rocket launching, whoosh, went off right in my face. And all of my eyebrows and my eyelashes and my beard and the hair on my hands and my hair on my got singed completely off. Or not completely off. I'm exaggerating. I'm preaching. But, but anyway, <laughs> it, I mean, it was terrifying. It was awful, right? And my son said, Dad, I'm sorry. I actually uh, turned the valve on earlier today and left it on for a long time. And I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so all that gas was built up and it consumed the hairs on my face. Anyway, it devoured them, right? And and, and that fire pit we have, I mean, it's good for us. It, it's something we get to enjoy and, and enjoy the warmth of and enjoy the look of and gather around and, 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 and be pleased by, and it's for our enjoyment. It's an, an amazing thing, right? But it's also something to have a healthy fear of because it does have a capacity to be a consuming fire. <laughs> and, and our God, I, I think we need to recognize the call of Scripture to worship him with holy fear and awe, holy fear and awe that allows us to recognize who he really is and, and then to cry out to him with reverence as a result. Not because we're afraid of God, but because we love him so much and are filled with so much awe and respect for him that we couldn't help but to express it. I want to take you to a place in scripture that details what can happen when we worship God with holy fear and awe, when we really recognize the value of who he is and we express it. It's in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, Paul, the apostle, and Silas are in Philippi, in, in, in the Greek area, and they're sharing with people about Jesus, and people are uh, enjoying hearing about Jesus, but then some people aren't so happy about it. And then in Acts chapter 16, this is what we read. It says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. I mean, how about that for the safest place to be is in the center of God's will, right? Except when people beat you and throw you in jail and clamp your feet in the stocks. Sometimes we come up with some one-liners that don't actually ring true with the scriptures, right? But... I'm looking at this situation, and I'm thinking, man, if there's anybody who had a right to start griping and complaining, it would be Paul and Silas right about now. But look what they choose to do instead. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and 
singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening. Can you believe that? I mean, I know some of us got some difficult situations going on right now, but it probably isn't quite as bad as that. And, and what I see here is an example of, of what any one of us are invited to do, to choose, rather than focusing on how bad the thing is that we're going through and how challenging it is. And it might be real and challenging and hard, but instead to, de- to decide to say, God, even in the middle of this difficulty, you are worthy of my praise and my worship. And I will sing to you even in the middle of this situation. I will worship you even when it's the worst of times. I will honor you even when it's awful right around me. And watch what happens when somebody does that. It says in verse 26, suddenly, everyone say suddenly, Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. When you begin to worship God in the middle of the worst of circumstances, the power of God comes. Chains get broken off. Doors begin to open. The foundations of captivity itself get rattled to the core and other people even get set free, not just you. Did you recognize that? It says that the the, the chains fell off of who? All the other prisoners. There's something about your praise that is part of someone else's freedom. There's a way in which the heart of God is moved by your praise that leads to even other people beyond you experiencing his blessing and his provision and his freedom. (laughs) What if chains were to begin to fall off all around this place? What if we could recognize that we have a a part in how that comes about by our own willingness to step forward and say, I'm not a singer, but God, I love you. I will honor you with my voice. And what if we began to step closer into the presence of God, so much so honoring him for his worthiness, that we began to see more and more chains falling off all around us. I think that's something that God has in mind. Will you do your part? That's my question. Will you do your part? It says, suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, ran to the dungeon, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. Go back to verse 30, and I want you to read this out loud with me. All together, let's say it. Then he brought them out and asked, go ahead, read it with me. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. You know what? There's something about this moment that's so captivating to me because... We sometimes think about worship as being something, you know, for ourselves, you know, to, to, to feel good in our connection with God. And there is that dynamic, and that's okay. But it's never just about that. It's about giving worth and an expression of affection to the God of our salvation because he's worthy of it. But what God does is, is God is so moved by that that he comes in his power and begins to set other people free. And ultimately, other people end up experiencing the gift of God's gracious salvation, even in connection to your willingness to praise him. This is what's happening here. This guy comes with his whole household to believe in Jesus, but it all started with a couple of people that were willing to say, I'm not going to hold back on my worship of my God. 
I'm not going to hold back on my worship of my God. I'm not going to hold back on my worship of my God. Say it with me. I'm not going to hold back on my worship of my God. Say it with me. I'm not going to hold back on my worship of my God. I'm not going to sit silent, and I'm not going to let them just do all the worship. I'm not going to get uh, you know, embarrassed. I'm going to sing out my praise to God. I'm going to give an expression of my affection to the God of my salvation. Aren't you grateful he saved you? Then shout about it. Sing about it. Let them know you're grateful and give that expression of your affection. You know who's going to end up being changed? People around you are going to be changed. You're going to be changed. And it's what you're paying for. And God is pleased by it. You know, a number of years ago, I got a, a truck, and it was a used uh, Toyota Tundra. But, you know, I, I had, you know, it was a big upgrade for me. And um, one day I was walking out to my car or to the truck with my son, Noah, and uh, we were in a parking lot walking towards the truck, and we saw the truck from a distance, and it was new for us, right? And, and he said, Dad, I just love your truck. It's so, it's so strong and, and rugged and cool. I mean, it's, it's like you, Dad. <laughs> I was like, where's the microphone? I want to record that, for the, have it for the rest of my life, you know? And he wasn't trying to manipulate me to get a new iPad or a scooter or anything. It was just... It was just simple, like childlike expression of affection for his dad. And for just a fleeting second, I felt like I had a, just a glimpse of maybe how our Heavenly Father feels when we just give our expression of affection to him. Not because we have to or because it's some sort of weird religious duty to, but just because we recognize how amazing he is and say so. That's the heart of worship. And I'm inviting you to be the kind of believers who left and right at every turn express it, that you give an expression of your affection to the God of your salvation. So this guy, the jailer, saw what went down and asked the question, what must I do to be saved? He recognized that he was stuck in bad news land. He knew that nothing was going well and nothing was ever going to go well. He was going to be stuck in his lostness, but he had the good sense to ask, well, what do I do about it? How do I, do, how do I move forward? What do I do to be saved? And I love the answer that the Apostle Paul gives. You know, the Apostle Paul is the, the one who wrote the book of Romans, like theology, this thick, right? But even the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write most of the New Testament, sums it all up with this one simple answer. He says, oh, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And some of us are like, wait a minute, hold on, it can't be that easy. We've got to write an asterisk in there. We need to put some fine print at the bottom that says, except you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to memorize this, and you have to come to that, and you have to make sure to do this too, and show up for that, and then maybe, maybe you can. <laughs> but that's not what the Holy Spirit says. What the Holy Spirit says, hey, I want the first rung of the ladder right here where anybody can get to it. Anybody. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved. It is as simple as that. Don't let anybody complicate it more. Yeah, there's a lot to learn as we grow. Yeah, there's a lot to work on as we grow. Yeah, there's a lot to figure out as we move forward in a walk with Jesus, but it starts right there. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. So I want to pray in, in this moment that for some of us, uh, we would have a believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved kind of moment. There's a lot of us here who maybe even take for granted that God has forgiven us and given us new life in Jesus, but we're going to move beyond taking it for granted, and we're going to thank him for it. But for others of us, maybe you feel like an outsider, and you're just kind of on the outside looking in, wondering, what is all this, and is there a place for me in it? 
and I want to tell you there's a place for you in it, and the way in is through Jesus, through simply believing in the Lord Jesus, that what God did through Jesus counts for you, and when you believe in him, you receive his gift of salvation. He becomes the God of your salvation, and this is where it all begins. And so I want to pray that God would do some spiritual awakening for somebody right now. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for an invitation to be people who would please you by worshiping you with holy fear and awe. And so God, I pray that you would stir up a new passion in each one of us to be people who would do that, who would worship you with holy fear and awe. God, I pray that you would stir us up as a whole church, as a community together, to be people who would say, this matters. Being in the presence of God and giving an expression of our affection, this matters. And so I pray, Lord, that you would uh, move so that that would take place. In Jesus' name.